Arrow. Hello from Harkeys. My God, dude. Can you believe it's been a year already? No. Uh, uh, it's uh, a deja vu. Um, and uh, one year ago, I was in Lviv. And now here I am one year later uh, in Kharkiv, 30 miles from the Russian border. And I was just uh, at a friend's restaurant and talking with various people there. And everyone has an anxiousness and kind of a heavy feeling, but, uh, you know, a strong and courageous spirit. So here we are. I don't know if you've seen the headlines today, but the uh, former president of Russia says that, you know, that the, the war, if it, if, if it were to end now and, and Russia would lose, then it would pull that nation totally apart. What kind of news are you guys getting? Uh, well... It's not going to. This is probably the most difficult question. Uh, and uh, you know what? What does it take uh, for for victory to happen? And at first, I'll say President Biden's uh, visit to Kiev this week was extraordinary. Uh, I was totally shocked by it. Everyone here was. And on a basic level, uh, you know, coming into this week, everyone feels something bad is going to happen. Russia has you know something bad cooked up. And Biden's visit gave people some kind of strength and say, because, you know, it took him, uh, he, in order to get to Kiev, he had to take a train. You can't fly in. It's too dangerous. Oh, wow. and so he was on a Ukrainian train for 20 hours, Arrow, round trip, 20 hours. The, the United States president, most powerful guy in the world, who, you know, he always is only in his vehicles, in Air Force One, in the Beast, uh, his limo, uh, unless he's in the Queen's Land Rover, you know, so for him to be on a Ukrainian train for 20 hours, there's a, there's a photograph of him on the train. Uh, and it, it, it took extraordinary courage and confidence. And, I, I, and so as a, a Ukrainian friend just said to me, that, that he, I think people think that this could be a turning point. Like there's no going back. And Biden, by coming here to visit, not only boosted people's spirits, but is making it clear that Ukraine has to win. Now... Then we have Putin's speech yesterday, and the question is: So, what has to happen um, with Russia? And, you know, I have friends, Aero, uh, Ukrainian friends, who are working with Americans and Europeans, and with dissidents in Russia, on how, you know, a longer-term plan or how to break up the Russian Federation, because there are many different republics uh, within Russia, and like the Chechen people, people who've been oppressed. You know, Russia is not a country where you have freedom, and and so there are people working on that longer-term plan, but in the in, but before you get to that point, uh, you need Ukraine to be able to not only hold the line, as they've been doing, say, in Bakhmut, but to push back. And it's like, here in, in Kharkiv, I've been here for about a month. And people say I'm crazy to be here. Um, this is where I want to be in this moment. Because, for example, this morning, uh, Russia, Russia sent five missiles, I think it was five, into the center of Kharkiv. Mm. Uh, pretty often here, the missiles arrive before the air alarm can even sound because we're only 30 miles from Russia. But based on the requirements of the countries to give weapons to Ukraine, Ukraine is not really allowed to attack Russian territory. Right, right, right. So if you can, so if Ukrainians can never hit the base that's, you know, 40, 50, probably 70 miles from here, you know, then Kharkiv will always be a sitting duck. That's what has to change. And the first step is the longer range weapons. What happens when word gets to you about uh, Putin not wanting to be a part of the nuclear treaty? Because that right there is is an open door for him wanting to play the rule globally now, for him to play the game the way he wants to play it. I think that what all, all that we should take away from that is 
why is he choosing to say that now? And, you know, he, he's a chess player. And as he feels more and more weakened, you know, he, he's got to deploy a new level of fear. Reporter uh, asked President Biden, you know, why, why don't you send more like, actual offensive weapons uh, to Ukraine? And Biden seemed a little annoyed. It was a very different situation. And Ukraine uh, and, and Ukraine's allies, especially Eastern European countries who suffered under Soviet domination, they kept making the case that, you know, we, we have to make victory happen. And so that has put Putin in a new spot. And so now he, he needs to try to scare the world again. And I, again, I think it's why it's so important that uh, President Biden made that move coming to Ukraine. I mean, mm-hmm. that it, it, when think of the 20 years of the awful, you know, endless war in Afghanistan. And, you know, every year the United States president, uh, whoever it was, would go to serve Turkey to the troops. Yeah. But we never heard we never heard about those trips until the president was safely on the way back home. And, and that was in Afghanistan where we had a massive military presence. The fact that Biden came to Ukraine where there's no mil- U.S. military presence, constant threat of, of the Russians. And that was a that is a new signal. That was a step of confidence. Uh, and, and, and that was Biden telling Putin back down. Yeah. And, and really, it, so and so no wonder Putin is going to respond with these nuclear threats. Um, but I, but I think that we, we, we see that. And, and this was the case in Zelensky in his speech in London. Arrow, I, I mean, that was a Churchillian speech. Uh, that speech actually uh, articulated a new political philosophy. Like for so long, the world has been governed uh, by the Henry Kissinger philosophy. You know, I used to know Henry Kissinger. I went to Yankee games with him wow. when I worked in New York. For, for Fox News and uh, you know his philosophy is oh we need to work with the tyrants let's work with Beijing let's appease the tyrants let's make deals with them and Zelensky's speech said we, we, it, it, Ukrainian victory can change the world and it's a change that the world has long needed and that change means living that free people do not have to be always living in fear of tyrants mm-hmm. and this is what the Ukrainians did nine years ago from today uh, actually, today, the 22nd of February, the uh, Ukrainian people have been standing in their streets of Kyiv for months, demanding that the pro-Putin, tyrannical regime left. And today was a day that the Ukrainian parliament unanimously ousted uh, the pro-Putin president. And so the Ukrainians took control of their democracy. And, and now, at the world stage level, Ukrainians are saying the same thing. Altogether, we can stop being afraid of these tyrants. And it's not just Putin. It's, it's you know, Beijing oppressing the, the Uyghurs and, and people of Hong Kong and, and, and so many other places. And so that was the call that President Zelensky responded and said, okay, people. Hmm. There's, there's talk of China increasing their relationship with Russia. It, does it affect anything or is it all just talk? Well, yeah, I, I think any, I mean, Whenever we, like we, the people hear about this, uh, we have to realize, you know, they're never going to telegraph what they're really doing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's all kind of this game theory. And so we, 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 we can't know. Um, uh, you know, I, I think since the begin since a year ago, uh, many have speculated and smart people have speculated that China, A, was watching the situation because Taiwan and Ukraine – are now, you know, as Taiwan is to Beijing, Ukraine is to Moscow. Right. It's Taiwan's an amazing, free, flourishing country uh, where a lot of people speak Chinese. 
that doesn't want to be, um, you know, they, they, they don't want to live in a communist tyranny. The same with Ukraine. And so China was watching to see how this went. Uh, but also, you know, China, the Chinese and Russian cultures are very different. Uh, the Chinese are, uh, you know, at the high level, they're, um, you know, they, I mean, even at, even at the middle level, they've created a prosperous society. They're reliant upon trade. Um, uh, they, they don't need anything more, really. Um, and uh, whereas Russia, and I, I think this was very clear, and, and, and the one moment in Putin's speech the other day where he really, I think, spoke from the heart, the only honest thing he said is that he said the, and actually I want to make sure I get this quote exactly right, but it, it, he des- described that the, um, the, the only thing that matters, um, he says, the single, the single higher right, or the single highest right is the right of Russia to be strong. And when I heard those words, I got, I, you know, it, it made me sick because mm. you know, that's the same idea of Adolf Hitler. You know, mm. for, for most people, the single highest idea is to live a good and happy life and to be peaceful and harmonious and, and find joy. And for Russia, and this goes back to the, the time of the czars and the times of the Soviets, it's only about Russia and only about the government. Um, you know, as a friend of mine, actually almost every Ukrainian I talk to, you know, says, in, in, in Russia, it's only about the czar or, or Putin. And in Ukraine, it's only about the people. Mm-hmm. The people are the power. And most countries in the world live on some kind of continuum between that. But Ukraine and Russia are the most extreme examples, I think, of totalitarianism and fierce independence. And that's why, so if, if anything, this is a fight really between those two ideas. And now we're starting to see people around the world really decide which side of this they want to be on. So many talk show hosts on the radio are, are talking nowadays that they're, they, you know, they sit there and they basically they, they bring on fear to their listeners when they say that we're actually living the beginning stages of World War Three. Why is it I don't feel that and that basically the world is going to help a nation here, but we're not at war with each other? I mean, this is, you know, I, I mean, look, t- t- this week, especially right now, tonight, uh, I mean, it's it's uh, nine o'clock here. It's totally dark. Uh, it'll soon be curfew. Um, uh, two days until uh, the one-year anniversary of Russia's invasion. I feel a darkness and a heaviness, um, you know. And even I'm prepared. You know, I have always carry iodine tablets with me. Um, as in fact, as a, a a friend here said in Kharkiv, he said, uh, "We are ready. We don't know what we're ready for, but we're ready." Mm-hmm. And um, there, so I understand why people would be afraid. Uh, but then I think this is where we have to look to reason and to history. You know, if we go back and go deep into history, we can see how things have developed. And then we can act with reason and confidence. Uh, because it, it, if we're going to you know, live in a world where the choices are Armageddon, Armageddon or tyranny, you know, is that how we want to live on this planet? Right now. You know, we only have one chance of this life. And, and this is exactly what Zelensky, President Zelensky said uh, in that amazing speech in London. He said, Again, if we can have a victory here, it will change the world. It will change how we operate. You know, the world, you know, what we want is the tyrants to be afraid of the people as they were in Ukraine in 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 and that has to be the change. And, and I, you know, I know I'm a very keenly tuned into the American sort of right wing criticism of, of, of this, um, which is ironic because I think, you know, the rhetoric is all about freedom. And if they look more closely at Ukraine, they would see that this is 
I can say with confidence, the most fiercely free country in the world because they're putting their lives in the line here. I mean, like everyone around me in this city now, especially the women who don't have to be here, they could be living a pampered life in Portugal or Germany as, as you know, as uh, refugees taken care of. Uh, they're here because they're fierce and they want to be free. Um, and so this should be inspiration uh, to, to, to the world. And I think uh, even like, you know, I even think that we see an awakening from, I mean, there's a lot of people in the Washington establishment who, and according to my sources uh, and friends, um, they can't imagine a world without a powerful Moscow. They're so mm -hmm. used to that. Mm -hmm. And they're afraid of what it might be like. And, and, and up until President Biden's visit here, Arrow, that was a big concern. In fact, I mean, I heard behind the scenes how, how difficult it is to get ammunition, to get Washington to agree to send weapons. Okay, they said they're going to send tanks by the end of the year. You know, right now, end of the year, here I am, 30 miles to Russia, and we're, we're, you know, waiting for maybe some new invasion. And they say, oh, the tanks will be there by next Christmas. Oh, God. Um, so, you know, so that's a problem. But, but maybe now we start to see... And I, I would put a lot of credit in Zelensky's, again, that, that speech in, in London. Um, also, the way Ukrainians have, I think, simply by sticking around for one full year, they've proven to the world that this is possible. I mean, and we can't lose sight of this. Like, the Ukrainians have held this line. Yes, there's been a lot of support from the West, but they've never received long-range weapons. They, you know, they've done everything with limited weapons. Often old weapons that the United States was going, you know, was not using anyway from the 1980s, um, and so if this can be done, well, then if you can give Ukrainians the weapons to be more offensive, um, uh, th there can be an end can be put to this. Mm -hmm. uh, and meanwhile, yes, there are uh, some. Fra I mean, the question of Russian society is very difficult. There are some fractures in the society, um, and, and I think uh, that's. That's where it comes down to, uh, and even as I talk, you know, I can feel the emotions in my guts here. I mean, that is that is what we have to decide together. Will we stand together as free people, or will we just kind of flail about and say, "Okay, you win. We're afraid of your nukes," and uh, and that's how we're going to choose to live on the planet Earth uh, with no freedom and no liberty and constant fear. And 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 you know, I, I it, like. I heard so much criticism too from in, in, in America. Like, why wasn't Joe Biden going to Ohio to, mm -hmm. to that horrible train wreck? Um, and there's certainly all kinds of problems back home. And I, I hope that actually Ukrainian democracy, as you, when Ukrainians have victory, can inspire healthier democracy in America where people participate. They're not governed by corporate elites. I mean, that's really what Ukrainians, they, they've been getting rid of that. Um, but actually, maybe we see a better focusing of our government. I mean, it's not the. You know, we live in a democracy. We don't need the president to hold our hands. Uh, domestic problems we should be able to solve domestically, you know, at our state level. Um, and, 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 and actually the president needs to be focused on foreign policy so we can prevent getting into situations like, like this war. Um, and maybe we can start to be smarter. Again, this is what Zelensky keeps saying. Maybe we can have a reimagined vision um, you know, and, and like a lot less talk, a lot more seriousness, mm -hmm. um, and and and, um, and 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 never appeasing, appeasing the tyrants. I mean, in 2014, when Putin took the Crimean Peninsula, the world did nothing, and they even they had a World Cup in Russia while Russia was occupying Ukrainian yeah. territory. Yeah, and you know, this is we should have learned this from the 1930s, but.
Yeah. Yeah, I think he's still shocked that uh, that the world didn't just let it happen, that the world actually went to Ukraine and, and gave them the support. And, and so now he's stuck in something that he, he's not, you know, he can't get out of. I wonder, like, do you, Errol, do you feel, do you feel that, like, sense of doom? No. Like, as you talk to people in America? No, I, I, I don't. And, and the reason why is because, I mean, if there is, you know, if there is a nuclear war, I mean, I don't think, then I, and I hope to God that everybody doesn't just start shooting missiles off. But, I mean, the thing is, is that I think we'll see darker days ahead, but then I think we'll start seeing light somewhere along the line. And, and like, like you were talking about, the breaking down of Russia and the federations, that that's, that's where things are going to start coming together. Yeah, and I think that story needs to be, I mean, there are people very actively, uh, people I know well, actively working on this. And, you know, I uh, I had the benefit, I mean, I got sort of stuck here accidentally. Uh, but, in, you know, when I graduated from Notre Dame in 2005 and then, uh, then subsequent years, I studied a lot in Czech Republic and Prague. I got to know the, a lot of, uh, I was mentored by freedom fighters who stood up to the Soviets. Mm-hmm. I was mentored by a, uh, a great political philosopher in Argentina who stood up to Pin- uh, uh, Pinochet. Um, and so I had that benefit of like, when they were resisting, you know, they had to deal with the, the secret police and, and, and at the whole world was back then scared of, nu- uh, you know, Moscow's nuclear threat. Um, and these, most of these people were sort of artists and philosophers. They resisted mm-hmm. and they stuck to, they, they, they didn't give into the fear and we did have a period of peace and and that you know i mean since 1991 the breakup of the soviet union ukraine uh in the past eight years has become an amazing prosperous and lovely free country latvia estonia lithuania uh poland for the past 30 years i mean those are amazing uh free societies and and those are the people who really understand what's at stake um that as long as you sort of keep your wits about you and stick together um you can actually put fear into the tyrants, yeah, and and, and I think that's what Biden's visit, uh, contri- like, was the. Unfortunately, it took a year to prove it. That was too long, but now we're at a new level um, uh, of, of 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 standing of standing tall against tyranny. So, when do you think along the journey did Zelensky learn that President Biden was on his way to to him? Because I mean, th- this is something that if it had leaked anywhere, that train ride, that 20-hour train ride could have been interrupted. It had to have been a top secret journey up until the last maybe 30 minutes. Uh well, actually even uh I think before they well, we'll never know, you know. Again, anytime people in the government talk, I'm have a lot of skepticism for you know for what they say right or wrong but uh uh the uh jake sullivan biden's national security advisor uh he said that they informed before they entered ukrainian territory they somehow informed the kremlin that they were coming wow and 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 i think it you know i mean in some ways that was testing uh the kremlin uh you know it's chess in a lot of ways but um you know what when everyone found out that Biden, when people in Kiev saw Biden on the streets, uh, and he was walking by St. Michael's Golden Dome Monastery, which is such a key part of the 2014 revolution, the symbolism was powerful. And right when he was going to lay a wreath, the air raid alarm sounded. And American skeptics said, oh, this is staged. But uh, the, uh, there was evidence that, and that type of air raid alarm happens pretty often around that time anyway, um, at least once or twice a week. There were Russian jets operating over Belarus. Mm. But when, when that alarm went off, every single person in Ukraine, including everyone around me in Kharkiv, 
a city that we've had missile attacks almost every other day, uh, or at least three times a week for the past month. I mean, I, 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 I hear the missiles in my sleep hmm. and, uh, Everyone knew that nothing would happen. Everyone had complete and utter confidence that as long as the president of the United States was on Ukrainian soil, there would not be, I mean, there still was fighting at the front lines, but that there would be no missile attacks. And all Russia could do was send a couple of jets up in, in, in their airspace uh, and Belarusian, Belarusian airspace to say, oh, you know, we're strong. Um, but there was that level of confidence. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I'm pretty sure that the White House had that level of confidence uh, going into it. Hmm. CBS Sunday Morning just did a recent story on the rebuilding of Ukraine. I was shocked uh, at, at how much rebuilding is taking place. And I wish more people could see that instead of always seeing the shattered and torn buildings, but rather the rebuilding of not only the buildings, but the people. Yeah. And this is, you know, when, when Putin was speak, speaking the other day, you know, he's saying he, that Russia's the victim, the whole world's after Russia. And, you know, that victim mentality is so poisonous. And I, th- I see it kind of becoming popular in America. And I think we really have to guard against it because you, I think you can see what it turns into. It turns into what Russia's doing. You only know how to destroy. And the Ukrainians, I mean, like CT, like within 30 minutes after uh, the all clear, after a missile strike here, crews are going out to patch up the craters from the missile. Um, the other day I was running uh, through a park on the blacktop and there was a concrete uh, splotch in the blacktop and oh I realized that's where a missile landed you can still see the little holes from the shrapnel you know in, in the surrounding area wow and they're 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 they're, they're fixing the wounds uh even uh buildings um that have been uh you know the, the buildings that have been attacked but are still salvageable uh they are reconstructing uh in the Kiev suburbs of Bucha and Irpin and they're beautiful suburbs with amazing forest um uh, in fact, I never knew that the forest that goes to Chernobyl is one of the most beautiful forests I've ever seen, by the way. Um, and they, it, uh, you can still see a lot of the damage, but block by block, uh, they are cleaning everything up. And, and, and there is this immediate uh, – I was in the city of Nikopol, right across the uh, Dnieper River from the Russians. And the Russians shell that city every day and night uh, since July. It's, it's horrendous. And when I was there visiting, it was in between shellings. And – Everyone knows that they're going to get hit in maybe a couple of hours, and people are sweeping the glass off the sidewalks from the previous show. And, and it's this amazing sense of we're going to keep going. Wow. And uh, so that rebuilding is, is, is happening every day, um, even under the threat of more destruction from Russia. Hmm. How can people get the newsletter that I receive every day from you? Is, is, do they go to the website? How can they get that? Yeah, if you go to, and I try, try to do it lately, it's been hard to do it every day, but uh, 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 if, uh, you go to ukrainianfreedomnews.com and there's a banner at the top. It says subscribe to our daily Substack, uh, and it's free. You can just uh, click on the yellow and uh, hit subscribe. Um, so ukrainianfreedomnews.com, and from there you can su- subscribe to our Substack. And we do also, we welcome, I mean, we're all volunteers, so we welcome any donations and support uh, for our work. And... Uh, and every day, in addition to these conversations with you, Arrow, I speak every day on Chicago uh, WGN Radio. And we, we post all those episodes at UkrainianFreedomNews.com. Well, we've got to do this again. Please, let's don't make it as long. I think it's been a few months here, man. Yeah, we next time we'll talk about it. The past few months are extremely uh, heavy and difficult. But now, because of the threats ahead, I have an 
tense focus. Like, I think I'll give you one here. So uh, as often as you want, please call me. Excellent. Will you be brilliant today, okay? Yeah, you too, my friend. Thank All you. All right, and what I'll do, I'm going to go over and take some pictures of your dad's new deck that's being built so that this way you can you know find out what the old homestead looks like. Oh, please, yeah. I've heard some stories. And, uh, Era, what, what, was, what was the name of your sister? My, my sister's name was Susan. Susan. Well, yeah. well, uh, well uh, to her memory. So. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You be safe, all Thank right? You, Thank you. You as well. Thank you.